0: Welcome to another edition of hit the lights podcast we are diverging away from electrical chat a little bit uh today i've got adam chapman with me uh of heat geek and vito energy how are you yeah i'm very well thanks for having me on the show yeah and no, a brilliant to get someone else with uh, different experience and uh, knowledge outside of uh, the electrical trade so it's good to have a conversation with you
1: yeah it's a, it's a big overlap between our trades and it's kind of um getting more and more overlapped as sort of more renewables come in so uh you know electricians and, and the heating engineers or plumbers are going to be more and more closely working together and blaming each other for, for whatever <laughs> issues they might come across best of friends
0: <laughs> um so i mean would you mind telling me a little bit how you got into the world of uh, mechanical
1: engineering yeah okay uh how did i get into originally uh originally i was traveling uh i was in america in california um uh staying in a hostel and i noticed tradies um going from city to city stopping off for a week making how many hundreds of bucks or whatever a day and then saying oh i'm gonna fly to um i don't know uh australia now or wherever else and they stop and work there and then be, I, I said to myself that's the life for me i'll go and do that thank you very much so I flew home a couple of months after that and um got myself on a on a like an initiation course type thing and uh, found myself a job and then got put for an apprenticeship. It's kind of how it kind of all started really. Yeah.
0: So do you? Th- it was what was the intrigue there then? Predominantly was it financial? Was it uh, a it thinking was the tra- man's
1: game? I travelled with it um uh, and I didn't i just wanted to be able at the time i was 20 i think it was 20 at the time i just wanted to uh maybe 19 i just wanted to travel the world that's what you know i was quite a bit of a hippie out of guitar and all that sort of thing and i just wanted to maintain that lifestyle yeah. and uh, i never did it <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, i suppose i got into it and i've always been i've always thrown myself at everything i've done Uh, And eventually it became apparent to me, Oh, actually, this can be really interesting. Like there's so much you can do. There's so much you can build. It's like a boy's toy, you know, with heating system and stuff like that. Mm. You know, making valves work in different situations and diverting heat in different directions. I just became obsessed. I'm diagnosed ADHD, so um, I get very obsessive about stuff. And uh, heating became my absolute obsession from, I don't know, 2022 onwards or something like that after a couple of years of experience. Um, and and that's how I kind of started my original sort of blogging and stuff like that, which just eventually developed into um gig.
0: In terms of your apprenticeship, then you had a, a was it mainly domestic
1: commercial? Uh, that was yeah, that was, that was mainly that was no. So that was well half and half. I'd say I started off in commercial um pipe fitting um and bath you know commercial bathrooms big big blocks huge buildings uh, up to eight inch mains um so you know huge huge or primaries uh, huge buildings and then i sort of my second half was domestic and then i went off on my own uh at the age of 24 ish or something like that and um that was just domestic um, uh, and that that was a, a, a mainly it a, was a mixture of heating and bathrooms, but started off much more bathrooms, with the aim that okay I want to shift those aside and go to where I want to go, which is which is the heating, because it was just I just had to do what I could get at the time just to get you know off the ground and um, pay the bills. Mm. So uh, the more I got into heating uh, and the more comfortable I got into heating, the more I'd add something else onto my kind of repertoire, and you know then eventually I added um, I added commercial back into my gas and I was doing much more commercial stuff. Uh, For me, I really like variety. I don't like going in and doing the same thing every day. Like, you know, a boiler change every single day for me, it would be mind numbing. So I want to change it up as much as possible. Uh, So that's one of my sort of main aims in life, really, is just a bit of variety. Uh, However, we have sort of niched down to a certain extent. But now we do, I mean, we, we do the, the hydrogen fuel cell um, boiler. We're nationally the number one installer of that. We do a lot of heat pumps, solar, boilers, everything, a lot of commercial. Um, and then we've got, you know, the Heat Geek and the Heat Geek platform, which we're we'll going to in a bit, which does heat pumps nationally. So what,
0: what was the, one of the things that you enjoyed most other than variety, uh, I suppose?
1: No, uh, yeah. The the main thing that pulled me into all of it was I I remember being about 26 or something like that, maybe 27. I'm 37 now, uh, and uh, the I remember finding my first Facebook uh, group that were talking about heating, and I thought I'd found an absolute gold mine because for me, the more knowledge I could acquire, the better I could sell, um, and the more I could sell, the more time off I
0: could
1: have. Yeah same amount of money uh you know you can up your prices and reduce your hours etc etc so when i found the first facebook group i was i was all over it. i wrote down every single little fact i could find and i started accumulating this big book of like stuff i'd learned just off this facebook group and i didn't want to share it with anyone i was like this is like gold why are people giving this away why are people helping each other so much it just did i did did not compute and um after spending quite a lot of time in the forums make my own forums you're an absolute forum nerd total forum nerd being involved in all the politics and all the rest of it that we're all involved in or we're all involved in there's much less of it now um and uh i i began to kind of understand that the wider community and what actually was created here was way more powerful than you could have on you could ever create on your own uh, and that's when um, the idea of heat geek came up so i started um blogging this stuff that i'd learned at my big sort of folder book it's actually a, uh, it's actually an app it's called evernote you can save you know tons of notes in there and organize them and i started building these articles for people questions it was mainly directed at you know the really nerdy heating engineers who had complicated questions that i thought i'd figured out an answer to and the answers were pretty good in the articles. I got very good feedback, uh, and, and I did have the aim of, uh, or the idea quite early on, of putting those into video, which I started to do in the form of the YouTube channel, the Heat Geek YouTube channel, and uh, things kind of grew from there really. So about four oh, years i'll just keep going if you don't mind because this is kind no, of the story
0: i'm ram, listening it's interesting
1: so in in amongst all of that uh building these relationships because the forums aren't just good for the information they're, they're great for business relationships uh i met a few guys i've gotten really well with um uh we met up a few times and hosted like seminars where we talk to each other and that's where i sort of I, I use those to help improve my public speaking actually they're only small audiences of sort of 15 but um i was sort of teaching I was 20, 27 to 28 and I was teaching you know 40, 50 year olds how to do heating who had done heating for 30 years. I'd just gone down on the math side a bit more, you know the theory side. One of those chaps that I met was called Patrick Wheeler and uh, I ended up four years ago, five years ago, um, no it would be four years ago, a week ago actually, uh, teaming up with Patrick because uh, I was working with my my wife for sort of 10 years and uh, we had twins uh, on top of a one-year-old that we already had, so she couldn't work anymore. (laughs) I wasn't going to let go of half my customers and I needed help to maintain them he actually had a, a child the same time. So we thought, you know, let's just give it a go. And that was probably the best move I have ever made in my working career was partnering up with someone. The uh, amount of um, extra resources you have and the half of the worry or the having the, the you know, someone else bearing the weight um, and, and halving the price of your insurance and everything else, it's so much better to team up with someone um i just as a side note i think some people struggle with that because when they come into business they come into business as a partner so they only see half of the money disappearing and not half the stress if you've yeah. gone 10 years yeah. on your own you see the complete opposite when you join together you're like oh thank god i've got someone else to rely on so uh, you know just a sort of side hint for anyone else out there if you haven't done punch chips, and importantly, you have experience of how hard it is on your own, you might want to try it because the minute I did it, everything blew up in a good way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, four years ago, joined up with Patrick, uh, uh, and the idea was we're going to start pushing this hydrogen fuel cell unit because we thought at the time this could be quite a big thing—not like the, the main thing in homes, but. You know up there and we wanted to be the the leading uh, installer of them and within one year we were by far that by a factor of 10. Uh, we built a website around it and that performed well i've got quite a bit of experience doing that sort of stuff with websites just for it being nerdy and practicing and um uh, that kind of puts on the map really uh starts to get us noticed in, in places gives us more opportunities to uh, you know mentions in newspapers and stuff like that which fed back to the websites and in the meantime i was working on heat geek uh, still building the platform, releasing the videos. Shortly after that, year after that, we got a government grant that we applied for from Bayes to develop a training course for heating engineers. Um, so with uh, any um, heat pumps and with gas boilers, the number one variable in the system that's going to make it more or less efficient is how it's designed and controlled. Uh, and that's a big gap in our market. You'd think you'd learn that during the apprenticeship. You don't learn that at all. Uh, you don't learn low temperature design, low temperature control, anything like that. So uh, we got a, a nice, well, government assistance uh, for every course that we'd sold, and off the back of that promise, we, we built a big course. that we, we overshot on our delivery of that by 50%, and uh, off the back of it, we've now trained nearly 700 people, uh, we've built a national network of uh, coming up to 250 uh, heat pump installers nationwide that we supply with work, and we now give an umbrella scheme for. So umbrella scheme is the MCS. Um, uh, it's an M- we're the MCS company, and we cover their work basically, so they can install heat pumps for us underneath the brand, which we advertise through the heat through the uh, Heat Geek uh, YouTube channel and through the website. Uh, And in in the meantime, Vito Energy started, carried on growing. We've got a showroom in Surrey now that's got um, a big soda PV array on the front, a Breeze Soleil thing that sort of hangs off the front of the building, PV on the side. We've got batteries, uh, heat pumps out the front. We've got hydrogen fuel cell in there. Um, uh, We've got um, PCM storage. Um, solar thermal heating we've got tons of it's like a crazy scientific lab mm. but it's all like right on display for customers to see just to see what's available yeah so that's a very very quick rundown of what's yeah,
0: no, I, I suppose my, my first question would be why is there such a gap in the in the plumbing educational apprenticeships
1: uh so oh well apprenticeships uh i mean that's lack of funding if you uh, i assume it's the same in electric tricks maybe slightly different if you get an apprentice in heating for the first three years they own well probably two years depends on the person but they very much only cost you money um so historically that was obviously counteracted for by the fact you collect a fat wedge off the government they offer some money now for apprenticeships but it's not worth the the drain of looking after and paying for uh, uh, a an apprentice Obviously there's the other side to that, the want and need to give back to the community, but that still halted the amount of um, uh, apprentices that come through. So there's that, but the the main reason for um, the lack of knowledge in the industry, uh, and I'm not ashamed to say there was that, it's huge, uh, was because of the combi boiler. So the combi boiler... To be honest, anyone could stick a combi boiler in. You do need to know about the gas side and you need to test it and make it safe. That is imperative. But how efficient it is won't be any more efficient by an electrician doing it or a gas engineer doing it, typically. Uh, The efficiency comes from understanding low temperature heating design, which heating engineers didn't need to do with a gas combi boiler. You threw them on the wall anywhere, any size pipe, any size radiators. It heats up the house. It works. It takes up little room. Easy. So, um, you know, they started becoming popular. What, what, 95, something like that, and then condensing 2005, and everyone just forgot how to design heating systems over the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, we were left in this state where um, it, it's just white box pushing, uh, and 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 all of a sudden, heat pumps have become okay. This looks like potentially could be a good idea but they're being put in and the knowledge behind them you if you do have a lot of knowledge you'll get a very good result out of it but if you don't if you install them like you did a commie border, it's not going to go well at all you're not going to look very well and you're not you're, you're going to think heat pumps are rubbish because you're looking at the appliance thinking that appliance is no good well actually mate it might have been because you didn't install it very well and that's unfortunately the gap and i was there too uh you know there's nothing um uh special about me i learned off these people from facebook which is nuts to think you know i learned low temperature design off facebook um essentially um and uh, yeah so that's where we were left and and uh, and that's how the forums got so busy because people were thirsting out for this knowledge and it was really obvious to me there's a big gap here someone should be filling this gap i didn't know how we were going to make money off heat geek at the time but I knew if we were going to make something, it was going to be a value. So I started you know, writing it all down and journaling it in, you know, and um, it is uh, it is what people are looking for. The only bits of information we have in heating, maybe the same for you guys, are sort of sibsy journals, and they're written by academics in an academic language that a plumber is not going to read. He's not yeah. going to understand and read the technical jargon and, and like the equations in that. It needs to be watered down don't get me wrong I don't make it too easy I want it to you know we go quite far in depth but um uh it's just not accessible and there's no humor that's why we kind of like wear the backwards cap and like you know try and piss around in like the the videos and stuff like that to try and make it a bit more entertaining to watch no one's gonna we want to make it part of people's life not a job to go and do go and obtain information we want them to enjoy it so if you like infotainment isn't it um so uh yeah uh that's kind of where it all came from we saw the gap uh and i think we've we've nearly filled it
0: i mean that's that's certainly an aspiration to to say you've fulfilled isn't it a, a, a gap in the market
1: <laughs> we've made the solution uh we haven't no not everyone's come to us yet <laughs> we, we've trained 700 people we've only got about i don't know 100,000 more to go <laughs>
0: Oh, yeah, exactly. A drop in the ocean. 99,300 even. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I mean, can you tell me, so there's probably, I am, I will say semi-ignorant to some of this new technology and stuff. Obviously, we've been, we've already kind of touched on some of the uh, products and uh, designs and bits and pieces that you're dealing with. Can you tell me a little bit more, what is a heat pump?
1: heat pump is something that extracts energy from the outside air or ground and dumps it into your house Um, uh, it it does that through refrigeration cycle which is the compression of a gas when you compress any gas it gets hot so send that into the house it cools down that that gas when it's compressed comes out slightly cooler when you re-expand it it's colder than it was originally you use that to suck the heat out of the air or the ground then it gets compressed again and it goes round and round uh, and it's exactly the same as your fridge. It's exactly what your fridge does, um, which we've had for how long have we have fridges? I don't know. 90 yeah. years, 100 years. So so
0: why, why has that not been introduced into the homes sooner than?
1: Uh, right. So um, one of the main reasons is because the electrical grid was a lot dirtier historically. So even with a cop of three, four, you would still be producing more carbon. It made no sense to put them in whatsoever unless you didn't have gas. But then you could have an oil boiler. So didn't really make much sense. As the carbon intensity of the grid started to drop, uh, they started to make sense and more recently they started to make a lot more sense. Um, additionally to that, the because the investment wasn't really there in them, the uh, research wasn't really there and the volume for um, manufacturing wasn't there to get prices to a more sensible price point. That's all started to come to a head now, all at the same time, obviously. So uh, the more recent units, um, they can run at much higher temperatures for older homes, which we have plenty of in this country. And uh, they, they can run at higher temperatures for those older homes and keep uh, good COPs. Um, so um, th- these are R290 units. When, uh, sorry, when
0: you say COPs? What's a COP?
1: Uh, yep, sorry. Uh, so a COP. Uh, so if you have a copper three, it means for every unit of electricity, you get uh, three thermal k- units of heat out. So one kilowatt hour of um, uh, electricity would produce three kilowatt hours of heat. So it's a um, ratio effect. Yes, a ratio. Exactly. So a, a copper three would be 300 percent efficient. You know, uh, uh, basically efficient with electricity, uh, and and you you can get the the real cops now of these these new units R290 units they're known of R R2, R290 units are the refrigerant they use it's it's propane so um, liquefied uh, petroleum so they're getting cops typically of 3.5 to five so for every you know, uh, one kilowatt hour of electricity you're buying, you can get, and this is only in the more, much more well insulated properties mind, five kilowatts of thermal energy out for your for your house. Or in Victorian houses now, you're getting three point five to four uh, kilowatt hours of heat out, which is amazing. It actually now makes heat pumps comparable or better than gas boilers to heat homes. So um uh, provided you've got space to put the unit outside uh, and and you've got space to put a cylinder etc they don't fit everywhere but where they do fit they make they can make a lot of sense um, So they're
0: quite, they're quite sizable units then
1: So um yeah they're about uh, a meter wide 500 deep and um uh, what 900 high or something like that uh they they vary a bit but and and actually that's a smaller one um a a larger one 10 or 12 kilowatts will be double height from that so yeah you do have to site a big box outside somewhere um uh, obviously these electricity supply and then the flow and return into the house so historically we always had split units split units are where we have the fan outside basically and the the other gubbins, another box inside the house. They've now, uh, which also meant you had to get a refrigeration engineer to pressurize the line between the two, because it's got that fridge chemical between them. Now it's all in one box known as a a, a mono block. Um, That's where they're all pretty much going, except for in extreme cases. Uh, And mono blocks are a box that come delivered just like a fridge with a flow and return pipe. And you connect that and you pump that into your house. Very easy. Provided you know how to size your radiators and pipe work correctly. And you know when you need things like hydraulic separation, which I'm not going to go into. But um, these are the key little differences that will make a difference between a COP of 1.52 and 5, up to Mm 5. So Mm -hmm. although it's easy, that that little bit of knowledge really does make a a big difference. And and what I was saying earlier on, of being able to get a COP of 3.5 or 350% efficiency up to 500, they should all get that provided the knowledge is there they will run at a cop of two or 200 percent efficiency uh if if you don't know that so although it's easy you do have to have the knowledge it's like imperative to have the knowledge um so that's why they're getting the headlines these things don't work yeah because they're not being installed properly uh and that's where you know we've come in with the heat geek course and and um we've provided that platform to potentially you know people to potentially uh, upskill uh, and provided they do, they'll get those good results. Are they are they quite high maintenance? Uh, a a trade secret is so they do need servicing once a year, um uh to maintain the warranty, but you're pretty much just removing the leaves from around the back. <laughs> so right. not we'll really. let it out. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you should open it up, you should put uh you should all, all the bearings at the right spot, and there's some other things you should do, there's some safety checks you should do, but um, I, I, personally, much less maintenance than a gas boiler where you want to be opening up the burner chamber and cleaning out soot from the inside or, you know, whatever deposits. Uh, I think they're much lower. So, yeah, uh, not 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 much more than a boiler. OK, no, that's fair enough. And they, they've got longer lifespans? Uh, yeah, you should have. But having said that, so a gas boiler is normally eight to 12 years uh, if looked after. If a gas boiler is run on low temperature design and weather compensation, though, which low temperature means the radiators are cooler, but yet your room's still the same temperature, you you should be getting 15 years out of a gas boiler, really, and up to 20 years in really good boiler uh, circumstances. These things are much the same, but they're normally installed on low temperature systems anyway. So these will last up to 20 years. They should last twice as long as a typical boiler install, but that's because boiler installs should last longer as well. So, you know, um, a few points there.
0: The other um,
1: product you mentioned, hydrogen fuel cells. Yes. So um, what happens is um, it it takes this specific product, takes in natural gas that normally supplies your boiler. Uh, It converts it into hydrogen. So natural gas is CH4, so four hydrogens and one carbon. It removes the carbon and it does take that off into the atmosphere as carbon dioxide. I'll come back onto that later, because obviously that doesn't sound great. Uh, It takes the the remaining uh, four hydrogens, and it runs that for a, a fuel cell process, which essentially means you blow in oxygen one side of this plate or filter, and the hydrogen, which is unstable, wants to bond with something. It leaps across this plate to make contact with the oxygen, and that creates an exothermic reaction which means hot water because oxygen plus hydrogen, water, exothermic, hot. That hot water is taken to a a plate heat exchanger and then a big buffer where you store all of that heat. And then when they run across this plate or filter, however you kind of want to term it, they create a differential, um, electrical differential, creating a a DC current. DC current goes to an inverter, inverter takes to 240 goes out as uh, um, it's, it's, it's only 750 watts actually what it produces but it produces it 23 hours a day so um, you know 18 kilowatt hours a day basically uh, continuous so it shaves off so if you imagine the the base load of a home it, it, the base load of a home is typically like 700 watts or something like that um, roughly what this produces and then you know your kettle and oven and stuff are the spikes that go up But the spikes that go up are very short periods of time. That's not the bulk. The bulk is that big constant drone of the bottom. So it shaves off that big drone of the bottom uh, and and really does reduce electrical um, uh, costs a lot. Because you're buying, I don't know, it's hard to relevantly name a a, a relevant gas price now, isn't it? Or electrical price because it's changing so much. But let's just say that we're we're paying 4 or 5p for our gas and we're generating, I don't know, 25p electricity. You know, that's a five to one. You, you're taking something worth five p and making something worth 25 p. It's obvious the economics there. Um, so, so, so that's the that's the financial uh, economics is that you're cre- you're using cheap energy to create uh, expensive electricity. Those rates are changing all the time. That's kind of one of the reasons we're a little bit less not pushy, but we we, we push towards heat pumps more because I think longer term they're a more safer bet. However, these things can run super high temperature with no, almost no loss in efficiency uh, and they do fit a demographic. They're really, really good bits of kit. So yeah, they they generate heat for the home, which is used for heating and hot water, not just hot water, and it generates electricity for the home. And um, uh, yeah, customers just, they do love them. Uh, The customers that we had that were typically buying this last year was a you know, how many we put in last year? Thirty or something? Uh, they're all going for heat pumps now. though. They're, there's a big shift in the consumer psyche. Uh, I think people are people are on board with electric, uh, electrification now. They don't want to see the gas. So uh, I said earlier, on this produces carbon dioxide. It does produce carbon dioxide, but it's infinitely less than the carbon dioxide made at um, coal-fired or gas-fired um, electrical uh, power stations. Uh, I say infinitely less. This generates 200, 215 uh, grams per kilowatt hour of carbon, whereas a gas-fired power station generates about well, it's 5 to 900 grams per kilowatt hour. So you're, it's a much cleaner source than than the than the grid's backup. Obviously, it's not better than solar power, uh, but even if you factor in what's going into the grid with solar and wind this is you know this is helpful reducing the demand of the grid because every kilowatt hour produced from this is one less kilowatt hour needed from that gas fired power station they'll knock it down a tiny bit so that's kind of the 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 carbon economics i know that might have been a bit um complicated to follow you, your viewers or listeners might have to rewind it to listen to it back but uh i've done it quite a lot of times that speech
0: no 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 it's very it's, it's really interesting is it lower risk than gas then
1: Uh, I wouldn't say lower. So, actually, this unit, because it's only producing 750 watts of electricity and one thermal kilowatt continuously, it actually has a built-in backup gas boiler. So, um, if it's not quite up at the right flow temperature that's required, it will boost that with the gas boiler. Obviously, you want to minimize the use of that, and you can do that with controls and not turning on multiple electrical points at the same time, stuff like that. So, uh, no, it's the same risk. Uh, it does sound risky having hydrogen in your house, but when this produces the hydrogen, it immediately uses it. And that bit, that tiny bit in transit is so small, it's not enough to make Hiroshima or whatever.
0: <laughs> you're, <laughs> not gonna have a,
1: you're not going to have a, um, a big explosion on your hands uh, or anything, really. Um, so, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's not really a risk at all. And we, we've got quite a lot of these out now. And um, we've had, like a couple of diverter valves replaced which you would have in this type of unit anyway without the hydrogen so uh, no they've actually been amazing
0: i was going to ask cool. about the maintenance on them
1: so these actually come with a 10-year warranty which is really good uh for all parts and labor so when you buy it you, you're pretty much guaranteed that electricity for that amount of time um, but they they need a boiler service, normal boiler service, any heating engineer could do. You probably would want one that's got a, a, a loose familiarity with it uh, once a year. And then on year five, it just needs a couple of the hydrogen components uh, replaced in order to maintain the warranty. And then if you wanted to, you could also do that at year 10. Yeah, uh, no more than a boiler. Uh, they are pricey. So average install price is probably about 15K. So unit and installed. But, you know, it's paying back. Well, at the moment, it's paying back like 900 quid a year or something like that. So, you know, if you look at if you were going to have to get a new boiler and cylinder and other bits done anyway, you could be paying five, six, seven, eight, nine grand. So if you minus one off the other that pays back within 10 years, it's guaranteed and it probably pays a couple of grand on top of that. So in some cases it wouldn't. Payback. In other cases, it absolutely would. It's a case by case basis, uh, and obviously the main the main goal being reducing your carbon. Uh, it, it also comes with a SAP rating of a a star star star, so it's the highest SAP rated appliance you can get, apart from a, a ground source or very efficient air source system. So it, it does good for the EPC and house value. Right. Okay. Yeah. No. I mean that's really
0: interesting. I suppose the, the kind of the next question I've got is what's next. For energy saving for you i know obviously solar is probably Mm. something you're big into as well um wind generation something like that
1: yeah so um well with wind you need to scale up massively for winds like it's just never going to be in domestic i say never you know you get little wind turbines here and there but the the efficiency with wind is on scale uh so we i'd like to be involved in that side of things but that's a bit outside my remit um i mean it really for me it's the integration and the reason we're talking now of Batteries, solar PV, uh, and solar thermal, which gets left out a lot. So, solar PV obviously generates electricity. Um, solar thermal uh, takes heat from the sun's rays, and you pump it to either a cylinder for hot water, or uh, a cylinder, as we have at this office, to, to heat the radiators. We, we've actually got a winter pitch for our solar thermal, so we, we it, it aims more sort of flat rather than 45 degrees up. So when you've got the lower sun. Um, uh, in, the, in the skyline during winter months, it still picks up that heat and it picks up less in the summer. Uh, so uh, it's the integration of all these things. And that's kind of what he keeps about. Actually, that's the t-shirt I'm wearing at the moment. So there's no panacea, there's, <laughs> no, there's no one, this is our kind of motto, apart from renew the heating industry. Um, there's no one solution Like if you've got a house that's got the perfect roof pitched right, you really want to hammer down on that and go for, you know, go crazy on the PV or the solar thermal. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, If you don't have that, you need to look at your other options. So it's all about having this mentality where you look for your your easy wins and your low hanging fruit and you try and find how you can incorporate that. Uh, If you've not got many options the the heart of all of this and where i see the electrician's role really taking off is um batteries if you've got no options you can't have a heat pump uh you might not even be able to have a boiler um or or anything the variable rate tariffs that are coming and are here um are, are how people can a do something for carbon because they're help helping balancing the grid Uh, and B, do something that's not as expensive as direct electricity um, heating, which is just absurdly expensive and needs to be... uh, It should be a conversation even electricians should be having with their uh, customers. (laughs) not to use direct electricity for heating unless they're using something like a battery it's a chance for you to upsell so you know if someone says "Oh, i want uh, underfloor heating electrical underfloor heating in the bathroom yeah do it but can i sell your battery please because otherwise you know and the economics of batteries as you i'm sure you're aware weren't really there that long ago but now electricity is more expensive batteries make a lot of sense very quickly don't they yeah. so um yeah the the fallback uh, for everyone is is a decent battery system
0: so what obviously a lot of what you're saying obviously is about um upskilling uh plumbers and and heating engineers what can electricians do to upskill
1: i think awareness of these other options um would really kind of open up their uh when they speak to a customer if they even if they're not making money off that particular job if they're aware of the other options out there like heat pumps and where they do and or where they work better and don't work as well uh, and they can have that conversation with the customer they can build help craft these systems that work in this way that i was saying so not have just a one size fits all oh i sell this so i'm going to make the most money of that. i'm going to push that everywhere they'll look better to their customer but more so uh if you can develop relationships with uh heating engineers as whereby you, you know you come across a house and you're like this is perfect for a heat pump or perfect for a solar thermal or, or hydrogen fuel cell or whatever uh you know you can give a give give back a little bit to each other and you know we do a few things with our pv installers little initiatives and incentives and things uh, and you can build a much bigger um uh, business between you partnership strategical partnership and the customer gets a better job and the customer's happier at the end because they're not paying direct electricity heating prices so there's a lot to be learned here electricians are uh, uh, heating engineers are having to do this now anyway uh, because all of a sudden a lot of the stuff we're putting in is obviously electric so we're already having to form those relationships Um, uh, but also we're working on roofs so we now have to speak to a lot more roofers than we have have had to before. Uh, Part of the process of putting in a heat pump is very much looking at the insulation of a property so um, uh, you have to calculate how much cop you you think it's going to operate at and you have to put that down on paper uh, the efficiency that we are going to operate at. If your efficiency is incorrect, this is called the performance estimate. If if they don't comply to the um, uh, performance estimate, yeah, you, you, we're in trouble with our regulating bodies. A lot of customers don't actually know that, which should, because a lot of the complaints are, oh, there's no recourse. There actually is recourse. It's just people don't know it. Uh, yeah, an important part of the, the design of uh, heat pumps is the insulation. So we've also had to develop uh, relationships with uh, insulation experts so now a heating engineer's role is looking at insulation um looking at the roof structure we got to get scaffolder in we have to draft in all these different people all of a sudden we're kind of the center of this thing so our roles have changed massively um, if and when you move into sort of renewables and um, although it's more pain you can also make that work for you financially because you're drafting together a bigger project so there's a lot of opportunity and electricians definitely have part of that opportunity if if a heating engineer is pulling you in to do these sorts of things you should start thinking about right get on the battery course get on the pv course um if you're putting in supplies for for heat pumps because it's not going to be long till if they're pushing heat pumps they're going to push pv Uh, and if you're doing the same with batteries you can be calling them over to do your you know add a heat pump to your battery system and then you can develop this working relationship and obviously the beauty being is if it's a strategical partner if you don't get on with them, you should go and find another one, don't you? There's no financial yeah. upsets. So, so uh,
0: is, is that something Heat Geek lends itself to then? Electricians potentially attending the courses that you offer as part of that? Maybe good to um, go into that a little bit more.
1: If they did, they would be very impressive to the customer because um, they, <laughs> they'd seem like they knew everything, about everything on top of their electrical knowledge. Uh, I wouldn't say it's 100% necessary, but it's definitely uh, going to be helpful in, in one way the other way of looking at it is you could just look on our free find a heat geek uh, map find a Heat geek in your area and if you do find a Heat geek in your area you know that he's gone through a very difficult course that's only got a 50 percent pass rate because we, we purposely make it hard because we only want good representatives huh. so if you find a heat geek on there you know he's a total nerd you might not get on with him socially but you know he'll do his job well um uh, uh, you find someone on that map i'm in my own my own kind now um <laughs> <laughs> it's good listening. Uh, That's <laughs> ah, fine. It's I'm only yeah they find someone on the map they're gonna know uh that you found a good guy and rather than i mean they could learn the information like i say but instead maybe go in with him uh, and listen to what he says because after a while you know going into two or three jobs with him you're gonna be able to speak his l- lingo in front of the customer anyway um and you'll probably need to know that for moving forward so i think there's so much scope to people to team up now the 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 way the industry has gone for your industry and the heating industry for the last 20 years or so is that we've become more and more self-employed uh you might team up for big jobs or whatever but we're more and more self-employed than ever before this is kind of reversing that although it's you can be self-employed we we've we've got we've got to make big companies or we have to team up uh so it's a very good opportunity here for someone to um, do either of those two things And, and both of those things as i mentioned earlier on with partnerships they do only generally go one way, provided you get on. Um, you, you do need to get on with the person you're getting into bed with, obviously. So, uh, yeah, more opportunity now than ever before. What
0: does the future hold for, I suppose, I, I, we can make that broad. We can make that for you, for the industry. What, what do you think?
1: So um, I'm looking forward to Vehicle to Grid coming in, um, which I assume you obviously, you guys are aware of. Shall I run over it anyway for the listeners? Or?
0: Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I mean, prosumers has become a big thing. For, for electricians
1: yeah so um yeah yeah the cars we got two electric cars out the front of our office right now um, and we're getting a pillar installed within the next couple of weeks for um, for power uh, and obviously vehicles to grid is where we can put the power from the cars back into the building if we want to and they, they sit there as a house battery so uh, I'm looking forward to that coming because that's going to change the dynamics what I'm also interested in how, is how much that changes the time of use tariff. In you know, uh, will it even out, and will it not be a really a time of use tariff anymore? But then again, we're building more wind than ever before, and there's more PV going in. Well, once we can get the chips and things, there's more PV and stuff. Yeah. So I'm interested to see where all of that goes. I don't. A, a lot of people are going, uh, kind of saying to themselves, "Oh, heat pumps don't work. Uh, we've got to wait for the next best thing." I don't think we've got anything close around the corner, personally. I think any – would be my guess. I have no idea. This is crystal ball thinking, obviously. I can't see any way we're going to be able to make something that can be low carbon, as cheap as a boiler to install, as cheap as a boiler to run, um, quiet, fits inside a house. These are all individual tasks. These don't come together. These are all individual things. I just can't see there being another – heat pumps have been around for decades and decades um uh, actually i think the first heat pump was in like 1700 or something like that from the thames um i don't know what to do some googling uh so uh, you know this is tried and tested technology although there still is room to improve and their improvement in their efficiency is still curving up gas boiler efficiency isn't getting better obviously uh, even with hydrogen um, i don't see it's hydrogen um i've actually got a youtube video coming on out on that two uh, two parts of a YouTube video because it 's quite a long argument about why it's absolutely mental and I had no idea how mental it was until I started writing this um it, it's hydro, hydrogen's just it, it's hydrogen will happen but not for heating in domestic homes typically there might be one in a thousand homes that will be heated by hydrogen in my opinion. Uh, so yeah, watch out for that. I don't think hydrogen is going to be it. The, the world's going to be electrified is, is my thing. It's good, easy storage um, uh, and it's just much more manipulatable uh, than any other kind of uh, energy source that we can uh, or, or energy that we can we can use. So uh, electrification, I don't think there's going to be thing, anything other than heat pumps. I think there may be a different form of heat pump maybe for flats Uh, and I think potentially a bit more district heating and communal heating Um, so district heating being whole roads uh, heated by uh, either one big heat pump on the road or there's like a central loop that uh, goes underground, collects some warmth, and then you pump, pipe that into the house. We're actually part of a project for that at the moment, developing um, those. Um, uh, and, and communal heating is basically your flats. You, you'll just get rid of one of the flats on the ground floor. You turn that into a plant room with some kind of heat pump, and that will heat all of the flats uh, in the rest of the building. So I think it's going to be kind of, again, no panacea, uh, a mixture of those sorts of, um, uh, those sort of solutions. Um, and I think the 130 billion that the government's paying towards upgrading the gas line to accept hydrogen is just an absolute waste of money. Well, actually, I know I'm going to take that back. There's so many nuances to this argument. Hydrogen is a good storage, but it's a good storage for power whilst we haven't got an electrical storage on scale that works fantastically but then that will be converted back into electricity to be used in domestic homes so it's still electrification it's not yeah. electrification versus hydrogen it's actually them in unison again yeah, no panacea.
0: yeah
1: yeah so uh kind of that noise that i've just made is what i think of the future there's just no way there's so many things going on uh, and you don't know what else is going to be invented in reality so uh, and i'd love to be some, something to be invented um I, I know there's some good stuff going on in oxford uh so yeah uh, it's exciting. There's more stuff happening now than ever.
0: Yeah, no, it does feel that way, doesn't it? We've gone on a on a big surcharge lately, mm. but in probably both our respective industries, um yeah. certainly with like the latest addition uh, of the regulations, you know, uh, prosumers, EV chargers, it's all really ramping up now and and building steam. So yeah, no, it's definitely uh, something to look forward to.
1: It's, it's difficult. My brother's an electrician, actually. So I was the heating engineer. He was the electrician, and um, he he. I've been on the journey and kind of not at the forefront, but I feel like I've been at a forefront of uh, a a movement of a lot of people. And I've tried pulling him over sort of kicking streaming, but he's the same as their heat engineers. They're earning so much money already doing what they're doing. What's the point? (laughs) You've already got, uh, but, um, you know, we've we've got so many sort of contacts and things now. It doesn't make make any sense for him not to. Uh, But for anyone that's looking at starting up, Uh, you know this is this is kind of probably where you want to head because people are screaming out for for this sort of stuff Uh, and the engineers specifically more maybe more so in heating I'm not sure are the bottleneck the demand is there it's the engineers that aren't and because of that your prices can can be quite, you know uh, no definitely
0: I'd agree there's probably a fair few electricians in the industry who can like you say go into a home wire it up get get the get the fundamentals done to be able to electrify a home but then they're not necessarily dealing with hydrogen fuel cells they're not dealing with heat pumps they're not dealing with all the interfaces the smart home elements and things like that yeah they are probably fewer and further between
1: well um i i I think an important thing of all of that is just to get stuck in the minute you go through yeah all right your first one's going to be a bit difficult there's going to be a learning curve but the minute you've gone through that difficult learning curve that understandably people try and avoid your value is higher you can charge more so for one loss you get a game that lasts for the rest of your career it's always worth it and and people need to make the leap sooner or later I think uh, a lot of um, especially people that are already in the trade kind of have their nose up in the oh you don't do my bit of the trades you know uh, and it kind of puts people off that's just snobby thinking like everyone had to start somewhere just get out there and do it get stuck in uh, and I don't think you regret. it's much more fun you're not just doing day-to-day you know this is what I said about variety earlier on you're doing yeah. much more interesting stuff and you're helping um you know improve um the planet at the end of the day <laughs> aren't you so, uh, no, yeah. noble
0: yeah no I'll, I'll uh, I think that's a, probably a great message to end it on um I do have one last question what's your yeah. favorite movie
1: uh, Shawshank Redemption
0: That's a pretty good one Did it win an very Oscar
1: good. that one? Uh, oh, almost certainly um, My, my favourite prior to that for a very long time Was Predator um, But I watched <laughs> they it are, more they are
0: stark contrast
1: <laughs> yeah, Very much so I loved it as a kid And I watched it more recently It's just not as good as I remember I kind of wish I didn't watch it now But uh, yeah it's got to be Shawshank Hands down Oh, that's brilliant.
0: Well, thank you very much for uh, chatting with me. It's been uh, brilliant.
1: What was your favourite film?
0: Um, I've always said Braveheart is mine. I'm, I've always gone with that. I, I like I like a bit of everything. So it's got the the history. Uh, le- I say loose history, but it's got the, the violence. It's got a bit of romance in there. Um, that, that, yeah, that, I- that suits me.
1: Okay, I, I, I'm going to fess up. There's something that I do prefer much more than Shawshank, but I don't like normally, you know, telling people. Well, I know you going now? I'm a huge Harry Potter fan.
0: <laughs> All right, so oh. one of seven, was it one of seven? What, what one are you going to pick?
1: There's seven part one and seven part two, so it's actually eight.
0: Oh, well, sorry.
1: It a Potter fan um prisoner of is probably my favorite which i think is number four um I, I watch them repeatedly at the moment i've got two four-year-olds and and a, and a five-year-old so that's on repeat so it's them really it's not me right yeah totally <laughs> well, yeah thanks again anyway. it's
0: been uh, brilliant chatting with you
1: yeah thanks gary speak soon and thank you everyone for
0: listening